Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive, transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here. We have another great show for planned for you today. And first, I want to say this is sort of a different show because I'm actually in St. Louis. So I'm in St. Louis right now recording live. Um, My guest is in Seattle recording live at her home. And Benny is in the studio. Hi, Benny. Hi, we're doing the trifecta. We're making we it all happen here, trifecta. right? Mm-hmm. And once again, I have to say I'm so grateful for Benny because um, <laughs> he is literally making it all work this morning. I'm in St. Louis because I was speaking over the weekend at a women's conference, and the conference was actually yesterday. So there wasn't a flight out by the time it was finished. So I'm flying out today, um, and I'm super grateful that I get to do this show first. And I will also say these are the moments when I'm really um, grateful that I get to start my week with the show because, to be totally honest, I'm tired. I'm kind of (laughs) tired. I've done a lot of talking. I'm in a different time zone. So this is actually exactly the thing I need to give me a little lift, and I hope it gives you all a lift today. So before I jump into my guest for the day, I'm going to actually talk a little bit in our heart-to-heart about something that has been on my mind. Um, And as a lot of you know, if you heard the show a couple of weeks ago with Kate Eisler from Be Bold Seattle, it is time for International Women's Day. So the actual day is March 8th, but the Be Bold event is March 5th. I am planning on going. There are still tickets left. It should be an amazing event. And of course, it's to celebrate all women. It's very inclusive. Um, And just all the amazingness that we bring to the planet. So we got to root each other on. Um, But today, you know, it's so interesting because there's so many interesting topics around women and change. And we're going to actually talk more about that today and just how we navigate this sometimes crazy world. And I think it's interesting. It's interesting timing for International Women's Day and a lot of the conversations I've been having lately because we just need some major culture shifts in this area. And it's what was interesting to me, as I mentioned last week, about what Kate shared is that we actually need some pretty major cultural shifts in how women are treated in our very own country. And I, I've never really been that outspoken about women's movements Um, but with all that's happening in society today, I feel like it's time for me to have a voice on the topic. In fact, I saw this quote on Instagram last week that sort of made me chuckle and it was in quotes, it was anonymous and in quotes, it said like in bold letters, someone has to say something dot, dot, dot. Oh crap. It might be me. Right. And so it's kind of this thing where I thought, well, I have this platform. I am a woman myself. Um, and there's a lot of energy around this right now. So I've got to say something. And I do first want to say, I'm not approaching it divisively. I think women are phenomenal and I think men are phenomenal. And I think together we can accomplish great things. So no divisiveness. I love it when men are interested and engaged in issues relating to women. Um, and we just all have a lot to learn and accomplish together. So it's it was interesting because on the plane ride on the way to St. Louis, 
I watched the movie Bombshell. And I don't know if, you know, you've seen it, but everyone should see it. It is shocking. And if you don't know what it's about, in short, it's about Fox News and what women at Fox News went through for years um, at the hands of some very powerful men and then how it all came crumbling down. So it was really, really fascinating um, and alarming. So you've got things like that happening, you know, between that and the Harvey Weinstein conviction. Um, and then I read it that Victoria's Secret was sold a couple of weeks ago for pennies on the dollar. And there's just a lot of energy, right, around women right now. And there has been for quite some time now. So um, actually, the Victoria's Secret piece um, sort of made me laugh because when I read about it, the article that I was reading was titled struggling Victoria's Secret brand sold as women demand comfort. And I don't know why it made me laugh, but it made me think about, I mean, there are so many things that we've had to demand, like equal rights for starters or harassment-free workplaces. And finally, we're demanding comfort. It just, it just struck me as funny. So I happen to think it's a great thing that we're finally saying no to Victoria's Secret. And I'm not a hater of that brand. I have shopped there. I'm just so tired of their marketing. I mean, models wearing angel wings and hardly anything at all, walking around in crazy tall heels. It's kind of insane. And this article I was reading actually went on to quote a marketing expert that stated that the brand has always been about designing what men want, not what women want. And it went on to say that there have been so many reports about Victoria's Secret actually having this really toxic culture. And that includes a history of harassment and objectification of women. Um, hello, does that surprise anyone? Anyway, I'm so happy that people are saying no and saying yes to other brands that are all about empowerment and comfort. There's a brand called Third Love. Um, they're not one of my sponsors. I'm not paid by them, but I do think their products are phenomenal and they're all about women and, and comfort. Um, and I'm so grateful that companies like that are emerging because as someone who values comfort overall, I mean, seriously, I have tried and tried to have beautiful pajamas and I always end up in a t-shirt and sweats. So I thank you. And I just wanted to throw all that out there. There's a lot of energy around this. There's a lot of work to do, but all of this feels like progress. And again, we've been talking a lot lately about the importance of just being willing to have the conversations. And I think we've just got to be willing to stand up and support each other. So food for thought, is there something that needs to be said? And are you the one that is supposed to say it? And if so, say it. Okay, so speaking of breaking rules and breaking roles, I want to welcome my guest today. Please welcome my guest for the day, Jory Sager. Jory is a friend of mine and a colleague and the host of Don't Tell of the Don't Tell Me What to Do podcast and an awesome marketing executive. So welcome, Jory. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. This has been a long time coming. And before we dive in, will you just tell us a little bit about you and maybe how we met? Yeah. So as you said, I'm the host of the Don't Tell Me What To Do podcast, and I also run marketing at Uplevel. And they're a small Seattle startup that uses technology to help engineering teams be really effective at work. And 
this is a topic I've sort of been obsessed with over my career of how can people be truly happy at work and it's what drove me to the company Limeade where we met and where you were um, a manager coach of mine and HR partner and just so grateful for your partnership there. Oh, well, and you are, I think, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yes. So I think um, that seems to be a fun fact that there's not many people here now that have been born here. So <laughs> born on the small island of Bainbridge Island and then um, graduated from Scripps College with a liberal arts degree, but um, poured that knowledge into marketing and have been working in various communications and marketing roles ever since then. And I've always been pushed to find a job that I really love. I think my parents love their jobs. And so I think that's what gave me this obsession of yeah. how can everyone find that passion in where they work? And and I still think while I'm firmly planted in the corporate world trying to solve that problem right now, I really feel like I have this voice telling me how to go on my own and explore this new paradigm shift of yeah. different ways that people can work, which I hope we'll be able to get into today. Yes, I'm really excited to talk about that because, you know, I'm really passionate about that, too. Um, and tell me, so tell me, so you heard my intro and I know you and I have had some conversations just around um, you know, women and all of the energy around women right now. And so what do you think about all this? I mean, this is, I know I sort of brain dumped this morning in that intro, but any reaction to all of that? So many reactions. So as you were talking, <laughs> I was writing all of these notes, but I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we've always seen examples similar to how Victoria's Secret is run or many big corporations as just, that's how things get done. And mm -hmm. so when people have different ideas around how they want to be a leader or how they want to run a business, you're always seeing that you're coming up against a wall where you have to do things differently. You have to go against the norm. And so what excites me about these shifts is I think we're starting to see that not only do we have to do things differently, but now it's profitable. This is what people want. Mm -hmm. And so... I think seeing it come from the top is really exciting for people like you and me who have had these voices that are telling us like we there has to be a better way. And I think we're getting those expanders that are showing us that everyone is going to want that. And that is the future. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I actually really want it. You've said you've used the word expanders within a couple of our previous conversations. And I actually really want to talk about that today. So let's take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk about expanders. I want to talk about why you started. Don't tell me what to do and um, and dig into all of that. So, okay, everyone, we're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into Jory's why around her podcast and her life's mission. And we will be right back. You're listening to Sam Willing on the Imperfection Wins Show, KKNW 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the East Side's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you are building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the Greater East Side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com 
That's the letter U, the letter R, dash build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R, dash build.com for urban restoration. Organic, free range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Jory Sager, who is also the host of the Don't Tell Me What to Do podcast. So, Jory, welcome back. And um, I want to dig into your podcast because I think the premise of it is so cool um, and so needed. So tell us first why you started Don't Tell Me What to Do and what the premise of it is. Okay, great. So it was about, so in fall of 2018, my friend and I, Amy Kugler, who was my co-host for the first season, we were sitting and having coffee and just sort of aligned on this feeling that we both, we both are in a marketing background. We both are happy in creative careers, but we both felt so stuck in our jobs and we had a great job on paper. We were doing things that seemed good on our resume, but it just felt like we weren't able to do things creative and do things that lit us up. And as we were talking about that, we <clears throat> we both realized that we had this dream of doing a podcast, but we both had so much fear around even being a marketing person and you're doing these type mm-hmm. of activities. We were just like, how would we even do it? How could we start? Like we just there was so much fear there. And I think we bonded together in that moment and just felt in such alignment. And we were so passionate that at that table, I was like, Amy, we cannot leave without making a goal. Like we are gonna do this. It's fall right now. I say by summer 2019, we need to have 10 episodes of this podcast. And we kind of looked at each other, like, are we really doing this? (laughs) And started talking about like, okay. And we decided that before we even decided what the topic would be. (laughs) Like Uh it was just, you just knew, we just knew we had to do something creative. We had to step out of our comfort zone. And so we started talking like, okay, now we want to do a podcast. What should it be about? And this conversation maybe took five minutes of, we had this passion around, we're both in our thirties. We're both at different stages in our lives. She has a family. Um, she has a, she had a young baby at the time. And, um, we felt like we are getting these messages everywhere of marry this person, buy this house, buy this product, do this job. Like it just was so overwhelming. And the advice was uh, at times somewhat contradictory. And we just, Mm -hmm. We were at our wits end and it was interesting because the first title of the podcast was just like, tell me what to do. Like maybe people (laughs) just need to be told what to do and um, quickly spun it around of like, no, like we want to do something different. Like what if it was don't tell me what to do? And what I think, honestly, if I'm being truly honest, I think we both knew that we needed big changes in our lives and we were Mm -hmm. scared and we needed to interview people that had taken that leap first. And yeah. We wanted to interview people that we were so sick of the stories where it was like, okay, I had this horrible moment in my life. I had this idea of a product or a business, and then it jumps right to the success story. Like, and now I'm making mm-hmm. all this money and people love my product. And uh, that doesn't really help. Like it doesn't, it, you feel happy for them, but it doesn't feel possible for you. And so mm-hmm. we became obsessed with this idea of what we call the messy middle of what happens after you tell your gut that you're going to make that decision? Like, what does that process look like? How do you, when people look at you and think that you made a wrong decision, how do you combat that? How do you push through? And what does it look like to actually get to even the first stage of 
success or even failure and and what do you do about that and so it was a super vulnerable topic and as we found like I think when we were starting to interview people they were so nervous and so scared to tell their story but as we started talking to people by the end they're like oh my god that felt like a therapy session or I felt like that was so important or even fun. And I think we just came into this niche of like, wow, people really want to have these type of conversations. And they're telling us things online that they're not even telling their closest friends. Like it's just, there's no outlet for these type of conversations. Yeah, it was so, so um, I know I was one of your first guests or maybe I was your first. Was I your first? You were the first. I was the first Um, and I loved it. And it was the first interview I had done and I hadn't had my own podcast out for very long. Um, And I found the conversation to be so fun and yeah, sort of therapeutic for me because I told my story, but I told it in a different way. You, you all asked really compelling questions and, um, really, really just dug into my sort of why and even some of the fears that I had around making some pretty big transitions. And I love the term that you used, the messy middle, because this whole, you know, for the last 18 months, I would consider, I've had so many amazing things happen, but I would consider myself like I'm, I'm in the messy middle. I'm just sort of like, you know, things take shape in ways that you don't expect. You make decisions that you never thought you would, you know, have in front of you to make. Like, for example, when I left my last head of HR job, I said I would never be the head of HR again, right? And here I am now the head of HR at a um, at another corporation. And so it's interesting um, just I what I loved about the conversation in all of your interviews is that there's no judgment in it. And it's sort of just a time for people to just tell the truth about like, my career hasn't been a straight line. And I haven't hit it out of the park all the time. And I've made some decisions that I've then regretted or or had to go back and undo. It's just the truth, you know, Mm -hmm. and the fear around it. So I had such a great time talking to you. And I think the conversations that you have and bring to the table are so needed. Now you, I mean, so you just wrapped your second season, right? And how many interviews did you do in the second season? 10 again. So we did 10 the first season and then I went out on my own. It just became, um, a big endeavor for Amy to do that with a family. So I went out on my own and I took a little bit of a pivot for the second season and was pretty selfish about, I had certain topics that I really wanted to dig into and it specifically talk about ways that people weren't talking about those topics. So things like mm-hmm. relationships, finance, burnout, people management, the beauty industry, fertility, like really juicy topics. Um, and then sought out guests specifically to dig into that. And so just wrap the second season, um, going through 10 episodes. Mm, it's so good. I've been able to listen to several of them and I want to later on in the conversation, I want to specifically talk about the one around burnout. That one hit so close to home for me. I loved it so much. There were so many nuggets in that. Um, but so Jory, so through doing this podcasting, when you started out, I know you said, you know, you and Amy were sitting at a table and you both were like, we need to build something. We need to do something creative. We're going to start a podcast. And, um, I think it's interesting because I'll tell you, I have had so many women say to me, it's so amazing that you have a podcast. I wish I could have a podcast. 
And I'm always like, I sort of laugh and look at them and say, well, you can, like, it's Mm -hmm. really, I mean, you can, it's available to you. It costs nothing to start. Um, and if you have something in you that you need to get out and, or a voice that you, something that you need to say, you can. And it's interesting because of the women that have said to me, I wish that I could have a podcast, um, maybe two or I guess three of them have actually gone on to start a podcast. So, um, tell me, so what do you think got you past the fear around it and made you feel like I'm going to do it. And maybe this is where we could talk just briefly about you. You've used the word expanders with me a couple of times. And I think that's an, that's an interesting um, thing for people to hear. Yeah. So um, I've been reading a lot of the work and listening to work of this woman named Lacey Phillips. She teaches manifestation out of LA and Um, it's sort of a new type of looking at manifestation. It's not where you're looking at a book called The Secret and just thinking positive thoughts and thinking it will come to you. It's really digging into your fears, rewiring your brain, looking at the neuroscience behind it. And one of the big components, she says, of manifesting that something that you want to happen is to surround yourself with expanders. And what she means by that is if you want to be an actress you shouldn't necessarily look at photos of Meryl Streep um, on your mirror in the morning. You should surround yourself with people that have a similar background to you where you could see yourself in what they're doing. So maybe it's somebody in the community that just landed um, the starring show on the community play. And in that, your brain can see of like, oh, well, if she can do that, I can do it. And it's not in putting it putting that person down or that what they did wasn't a big accomplishment, but it's showing that your brain can expand just like theirs did. And to be honest, Sam, like you were an expander for me with the podcast of like, I have a marketing background. You don't. And like, if I was like, well, if Sam can figure this out and yeah. the technology <laughs> behind it, then I can. And why, like, why can't I get my voice out there? And I think it's so important for us to think about expanders in every area of our life and surround yourself with people that, have up-leveled a little bit more than you. Like surround yourself with people who have amazing marriages. If you want to have an amazing marriage, surround yourself with people who have the careers that you want and that can mentor you and show you that it's possible. If you want to be more fit, surround yourself with people that are accomplishing those fitness goals. So I just, I love that concept for every area Mm -hmm. of your life and to seek those expanders out. And to be honest, every single person on the podcast has been such a huge expander for me. Mm -hmm. And and I've sought them out for that exact purpose. I know. Don't you feel like you've grown so much through doing, doing your podcast? And I don't mean just growth in terms of like your, your personal, like getting over the fear of doing it or, you know, figuring out the technology. I, for me, I feel like my heart has totally expanded. My brain has expanded. I'm more open to, I'm more curious, I think about a lot of different subjects, subjects that before I maybe compartmentalized or didn't spend that much time thinking about, but I feel like I've expanded just by doing the podcast. Oh, I mean, in so many ways. And if anything, I think at first, I almost felt like I took a step backwards. It's that, I mean, I sort of think about that in people management too. Of the first time you're a manager, you think you're the boss. (laughs) You think that you know everything and then you suddenly have this realization of how little you know. And so Mm -hmm. I think I had this realization of, 
I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to do something. And then as I started interviewing people, I was like, oh, this is kind of scary. This is kind of a big deal. And um, so I had this feeling of maybe I don't know as much as I think I do. And then Mm -hmm. a little bit later, more of an appreciation of, okay, now I firmly like have much more self-awareness and also many more examples. And I feel like sometimes it's overwhelming, but I just feel so inspired to like after doing the finance episode, really digging into my own finances or Mm -hmm. after doing the beauty industry one, like really thinking about the chemicals in my home. And like, sometimes you have to just like say like, okay, one thing at a time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it just shows that you can really change in every area of your life at any time. And I'm kind of addicted to that self-growth mindset. And if Mm I, Jen Jen Hope, who is, um, was an executive coach for me and she was on the burnout episode recently asked me at dinner. She was like, are you a person that's addicted to change? And I (laughs) paused and I said, yeah, I am. I'm so addicted to change. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's sort of good to know that about yourself. Right. And I, I mean, I would say the same thing about me and, um, I, I used to fight that a lot because I feel like that can also, so my dad is also like that. I know he's listening right now. Hi dad. I love that about you because I have the same thing, but it can drive some people around you a bit crazy, right? When you're like constantly changing, constantly, um, trying to improve or grow. And I used to fight it in myself a lot and be a bit hard on myself around, is it a lack of contentment? Mm. And I think through this process of podcasting and becoming more self-aware and really um, learning more about me, I think it's like anything, right? It, any any trait that we have can, it can be a gift and can be a curse, right? And so I think for me, me now that I've accepted, like, yes, I, I do enjoy change and I do enjoy growth and I do enjoy doing a lot of different things. Um, once I accepted that about myself, it almost feels easier to channel that energy in the right places versus before I used to fight it. But I do have to be careful of it because I can, um, especially while I'm building this podcast and the brand imperfection wins, it's really easy for me to get distracted and try to do 50 things when really I would be better off in terms of my own energy and maybe even in the growth of the business in doing five, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that is a hard thing to your point about like taking one thing at a time, you know? And I think I have a, um, my, my husband does really well with change, but he doesn't really see a need for change as often as I do. So I appreciate that he's so patient with me and listening when I'm like, we could go do this or we could do that. Or now I'm doing this or now I'm doing that. So I have to be self-aware enough to know when enough is enough. Does that make sense? Oh, I have definitely felt that in my relationships too. And I think it's just a curiosity and, and for me, just I mean, we're here in this world to be happy. And so just trying different things, just learning about yourself. I truly believe that we have so much to learn about ourselves and how we interact with people and how we can connect more with our passion. And we can't do that unless we experiment with different things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one of the things I've had to really um, get comfortable with and remind myself is 
um, you know, as it relates to my family or my husband is a perfect example, just because I'm diving in and, you know, going down a path of making some changes. And, you know, we have this funny thing that happens every New Year's, which is like for years, I always start a cleanse, like right at like Mm -hmm. a ton of people, right? Like right after New Year's. And he is always um, compliant and does it with me. But we now we're at the point where we just laugh about it. And all our friends laugh about it because he that's just not on his radar. It's not something that is important to him or that he wants to do, but it is really important to me. So he does it with me, but where he might do five days, my personality is more like I'm doing 30 days and I've had to get, um, into the mindset of like, just because I'm doing 30 days actually doesn't mean that he needs to do 30 days, right? Like I can go on my own path and explore some things without, being critical or feeling like he needs to come along with me. Right. Um, and so it create, I think that has been a really helpful shift for me too. Yeah. And I think sometimes with our personality types, it can be hard, like there's no end to it. And so right. I think sometimes, right. sometimes asking yourself like, well, why am I doing this and to what end? And then on the other side of it, really thinking about if you are pushing for different changes to set those goals and then take a moment to celebrate those goals. Yeah. Yeah. Because celebration's hard. It's really hard. Because it never ends, right? If there's no end point, then there's no point of celebration or like accomplishment. It just never ends. But I'm so glad that Amy and I set that goal of one season, 10 episodes. And then once we got to the 10, we had this feeling of accomplishment that yeah. neither of us had really had in our personal lives. Like we were so used to the corporate feeling of accomplishment where you get, you hit your bonus target or you turn in a deliverable, but to do something in your personal life and set that goal and then hit it, I think was so important for us. And if we decided yeah. we're going to do this podcast, I mean, I think based on Amy was where in her life and not being able to commit that time, I think it would have just petered out and we probably would have built resentment over it of like telling each other that maybe it wasn't working to spend this time. And, but instead we got to finish the project together and feel the sense of accomplishment. That's such a good point, Jory. And I think that's something, it's something I'm not great at, but I think what I'm thinking as you're talking is like you both, you set a goal and you set you set a reasonable, um, some reasonable parameters for what success looks like, you know, like it was doable for you. And I think that's something that I'm actually not that great at because I am, um, like, I don't have an end really, as you're saying, like it kind of just keeps going and going. So there's no celebration point. And you're right. If you don't set some reasonable parameters, for success, what success looks like, it would be really easy for like, if something petered out, like if I stopped doing this podcast or show for me, instead of feeling, um, successful because I did it, it could feel, um, I could feel like I failed because I stopped doing it. So I really actually really like what you're saying. That's such a good point. And it doesn't have for everyone. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be success, the end all be all success. I think just if you're ever trying out something new, what would success look like in that new endeavor? So yes, if you're starting an elimination diet, what would a success look like at the end? You figure out um, what foods that you can't eat, but then you stop it. It's not like this continuous yep. thing. Or yeah. if you're even in your podcast, I think 
thinking about what does success look like? I know um, with your studio agreements, it's in three month increments. So what does success look like for each of those mm-hmm. three months, especially when you're working with yourself and there's nobody, yeah. um, we're so used to with our education system being held accountable by somebody else. And I think we have mm-hmm. to find new ways to hold ourselves accountable, but that feel authentic to us. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. On that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I actually want to ask you about a time when you decided to pivot and listen to your gut um, and go against maybe some of the advice of people that were mentoring you or or care about you. So we're going to take a short break, everyone, and we will be right back. You are listening to Sam Willing on the Imperfection Wins Show, KKNW 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Hey, everybody. I wanted to take a moment and tell you about the resources on my newly launched website, samwilling.com. If you are looking for some tools to help you identify your unique value, say no to fear, simplify your to-do list, or practice gratitude, go on over to samwilling.com and click on the Growth Toolkit tab. There, you'll find free, downloadable tools that are beautifully crafted and helpful. If you're interested in listening to some of the earlier Imperfection Wins podcasts, you can find all episodes under the podcast tab. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter or send me a message while you're there. I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, that's samwilling.com. That's samwilling.com. Happy listening. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Jory Sager, host of Don't Tell Me What to Do podcast and marketing executive. And we are having, I think, a really interesting conversation just about um, life and success and how to navigate this world when you get so much advice from the outside. And so one of the reasons, as you all heard around Jory, um, starting the podcast in the first place was to have some of those really vulnerable conversations with people that have said no to fear and followed their gut or intuition or made a big decision. Um, even when maybe people around her were, you know, them were not, um, maybe that supportive or they were cautioning them. And so Jory, I'm really curious if you would share a story, or a personal example of when you decided to make a big pivot in your life. Um, and maybe there were people around you that were doubting or giving you conflicting advice and you just decided to do something that you felt was right. Yeah. I think, um, this ties really nicely to how we were talking about how we're both addicted to change. So yeah. <laughs> When we were at Limeade together, I feel like that's really where my career took off. I was in this super supportive environment. My role, because we were in a hyper growth company, was changing every three months. I got this continued responsibility and I was always learning. And and I think I became really addicted to those feelings of learning. Mm. And so coming up on five years, I was really eager to push myself and jump to a small startup in a similar HR space thinking, okay, I can do this growth story from the start to finish. And maybe let's now try it as the top marketing exec. So Mm -hmm. those small startups do come with risk. And four months into the role, I found out that they were going to sell the company. 
and I was devastated and Mm -hmm. I had this idea of what I wanted to do and how I want it to look and it no longer could happen that way. And Mm -hmm. at the time I was working with a coach, I had this, um, because I knew the company was going to be sold, but I had some time, I had about six months before that was going to happen. I started to really think about what if I started my own company? I was super passionate about the idea of people management and supporting new managers. And I didn't know how that could manifest in a company, but I wanted to think about what that might look like. And, Mm -hmm. and as I was doing that, I just became so consumed with the fear and my ego around not having a job and could I do it? And instead of trusting my gut and this opportunity to really go out on my own and, and to be like, I had no children. I had a flexible rent situation that I could always downsize if I needed to. I had a year of savings in my bank account. And even so I just let this fear um, sink in of like not having enough money or not having a good job or what people would think of me. And so I talked to Jen Hope, my coach at the time told me, she's like, you don't need people to tell you what to do. You know what to do. But Mm -hmm. I didn't follow that advice. I asked everyone else what their advice was for me. And I had a mentor of mine who made some decisions to join a small startup at a time where she was starting her family. And I think regretted that decision and regretted the financial impact that it had on her. And so she was really pushing me to think about like, okay, at this age in your thirties, you need a big company on your resume. You need that security blanket. You like, that will prove that you can operate in small and big environments. And, and she's a very, um, pushy person and I admire her and I, and I look up to her. And so, um, so she brought me into the company that she was working with. And even on the interview, it was like, I, I interview pretty well at, at Limeade. I, um, it was in this role called a culture keeper. And so I interviewed like hundreds of people that came in. And Mm -hmm. so I know what a good interview feels like. And Mm -hmm. after I did the interview, I walked away. I was like, that was the worst interview I've ever had. My gut is telling me that there's no way I'm going to get this job. And, um, but I just had this mentor in my head saying like, it's okay. It's such a hard place to get a job at. They just kill you in these interviews. Like, Mm -hmm. don't worry. That's just the process. And so I did get the job and was surprised and the offer was compelling and um, it gave me this clean, super clean jump of when the company was about to end. I had this role and nobody else did and I felt so lucky and, um, and I took it and on my first day I walked in and my manager wasn't even there. I didn't, even in this huge company with all these processes, I didn't have a desk. I just, I drove home and was like, Oh my gosh, I made, what did I do? What did I do? And Mm -hmm. the day that I started, the company was acquired the Mm -hmm. day I started. And so now joining this somewhat medium sized company that like, I agreed, I did kind of want to test out that size. Now we're part of a company of a hundred thousand people, right? company that was super old school, everything about innovation, it was the opposite. And, but because of my lucky start date, I suddenly didn't just have options of stock. I had true Mm -hmm. cash, cash that would be paid out every year over a four year period and more cash, like 50% of my salary I was going to get every year for four years. And wow. 
I have always said to people and had conversations of that I'm not motivated by money. Like I would never work well in a sales role. I just feel like I'm more intrinsically motivated to do my best. And I of course want to be paid fairly, but I've never been motivated by about money. And I don't live a lifestyle that needs a huge amount of cash. So, but I was tested because Mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's really easy to say you're not motivated by money and then have more money than you've ever seen. And the job was like, some days were horrible. Some days were, it was just okay. Like I wasn't living my passion. I was basically a paper pusher and every day driving to work, I felt nauseous. Oh, and my body was just telling me like, this is not right. You're not in the place that you should be. You're wasting away. Like I, it's, I think some people can see a job as a job. And I actually have had more respect for that recently because I, I sort of thought that everyone thinks like me and it's just not the case, but I am a person <laughs> that has to love what I'm doing. And I didn't, yeah, and, too. but I felt so stuck. And so then I started bargaining with myself of like, okay, um, you don't need to make it four years, but you need to make it one year. Like that would be ridiculous to walk away from that much cash. And I would say like, right. you can then have the ability to go out on your own because you have that cash. And just, I kept just telling myself all these type of stories and um, six or seven months into the role, I got a call to do an interview at another company. And I was referred by a past CEO and mentor of mine. And I, I turned the meeting down. I said like, you know what? I'm not interested. I've decided to just stick this out. I'm like six months away from this cash payout. I just got to do it. And she called me and was like, Jory, when I introduce you to a CEO, you don't turn it down. <laughs> I was like, okay, noted. Um, and I took the meeting and the feeling from the very beginning of that meeting was just so different. I sat down mm. and I think it helped that he had heard from two separate CEOs that had recommended me. So, you know, that feeling at interview where like they already like you, you don't need to prove mm-hmm. it. And so yeah, he was selling me and he just said, what's your dream job? Like, how could I create that for you? And I've been told that I need to hire you no matter what. So I need to figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> That's a great uh, compliment. Right. It's amazing. Good. Um, and so I'd like to say that it was actually a struggle to think about what I should do. But for the mm-hmm. first time in so long, I felt pulled by my gut that like this was the right thing to do. And yes, it was risky to join another small startup, but that I just couldn't. I had to do it. Like I just had to walk away. And if if anything, I think I had to test that my ego wasn't so tied to things that I really firmly believed that I shouldn't be tied to. And that I think that this was a such an important test for me to to pass. It's so, oh my gosh, I have so many um, thoughts about that whole story and everything you've just said. And and but first, before I ask all my questions, you are so currently, where are you? This, so this is I'm the at, opportunity that you went yeah. to. Okay. And so what was interesting is when I was working with Jen and we were thinking about the business and then we pivoted to thinking about like, okay, if I did go back into a role, what would the dream role be? And we wrote it down on paper and it said, I want to be a VP of marketing. I want to be at a company that's tackling a problem that I'm passionate about. I want to be with people that I like. I want it to be in person and collaborative because my other company, all my coworkers were remote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make a certain salary. And yeah. when I, and the job that was presented to me hit every single one of those boxes. Mm. And 
Um, so I think because I'm so passionate about this idea of managers, we are focusing on engineering managers and making them better at their work. So I see this as my messy middle, but an important step on this journey to me solving this problem that I'm passionate about. And I think mm -hmm. I needed one more, I call it my life MBA. I never left to get an MBA, but I, I really feel like I'm going after roles that give me that experience yeah. um, without the $200,000 price tag. And so I think this is the last step of what I really needed to learn and internalize. And, and maybe it's just that my fear is too much to really jump out of my own yet. But, um, I don't think that my story is done, but I think I'm in the right place for me right now. And, I no longer feel nauseous every day going to work. <laughs> I think it's so interesting because first of all, so much of what you're talking about resonates with me um, because I have, I consider myself, um, I can make really quick decisions. And uh, as we've already talked about, I'm, I'm really comfortable with change and I can sort of, um, be a chameleon. Like I can grit through most things. I can make a lot of things happen and a lot of things work, even if I'm in pain, I always say I have a pretty high pain threshold. So I have definitely gotten myself in situations before, especially around working where I have, you know, gotten a great offer, made a fast decision, and then realized pretty quickly that I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I have to love what I do. And I, I'm such a purpose person, you know, I mean, that's why I'm doing the podcast. It's, it's the heart mission. It's everything I do has to align with my heart. Um, but I have made some decisions where I've made the decision and I, you know, it's not that it hasn't been thoughtful. It's that I've ignored a little bit, those warning signs, right? It's like, I've just, I've felt it. Like you said, you had, you had flags in the interview where you were like, oh, this doesn't feel good. You had flags on your first day and you sort of can rationalize and um, stuff that down, which I want to talk about, but I have done that too. And I've gone through the pain of having to work my way out of those decisions, which has always been a painful process. But when I look back, I'm like that it, painful process, but easy decision. You know, yeah. I mean, I had a job um, about 10 years ago where I loved the people I worked with, the job itself, the person I was reporting to, it was not a fit for me. It wasn't a fit for me. It was taking me away from my young children. There was just nothing about it that was um, going that great in terms of my life. You know, on the outside, it was like, oh, you have this great job and a great salary and benefits and all these things. And in my body was really suffering. And similarly to you saying that you were sick to your stomach, like driving to work in the morning, I, by the time I gave my notice um, and again, I was doing the same thing as you where I was, I was making deals with myself. I was like, well, I have to stay for a year because if I don't stay for a year, it's going to look really bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I, by the time I went in to give my notice, um, to my manager at the time, I literally, I was like physically uncomfortable. I had to get it out. I knew it was the right thing. It was kind of like life kept squeezing and squeezing and squeezing until it was so clear that it was time for me to make a shift. And I had to do it. I knew it was the right thing. 
Um, and when I gave my notice, my boss at the time looked at me and he said, you know, I'm really, he tried to talk me out of it. And he said, I'm really sorry to hear, hear that you're leaving. Um, you know, and I cited my family as the, as the reason. And he looked at me and said, I just want you to know you have a lot of potential for growth here. I see your career going really far. At the time I was like an HR manager. And he said, if you make this decision, you'll probably never get back into the workforce. <laughs> and I, so I'll tell you, even though I knew with a hundred percent certainty, it was the right decision. I cried all the way home yeah. because it felt like I had failed in some way. Well, and he was hitting now, your deepest fear. He was, he was hitting my fear. Right. And so, but when I let that settle and when I was, um, home with my children, it was like our entire house exhaled. It was mm -hmm. like, everything was like, oh my gosh. And it took me a good year to kind of undo the frenzy that I had created in our lives and my life. And the ironic thing is that guess what? I did not have a hard time getting back in the workforce. In fact, making that de decision is what actually opened the door for me into coaching. And so it just is really interesting. I, everything you're saying is so relatable to me. And I think, um, I mean, I think that the truth is, is that that fear, or, you know, you mentioned ego a couple of times that can take over in a second. And suddenly you find yourself compromising or doing things that you, I'm similar to you and that I've always said out loud, like, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. And then at a certain point, when you are offered more money than you've ever made, or your career grows to a certain point, it suddenly gets really confusing, really, confusing. you know, and I, yeah. So I don't know. I love, um, I love this conversation and I think it's such a conversation that we need to keep having, because don't you think, I mean, based on all the guests you've interviewed, don't you think that this is really common, especially for women to be feeling and sorting through? Yeah. And I mean, I'll put the advice that you have told me and so many people right back at you right now, which is thank you. <laughs> you've, you've always told me that, um, when you need to make a change, either you can make it when you start to feel those inner feelings and those inner hits that it's a good time or change is going to be made for you and it's not yeah. going to feel very good. And so, <laughs> And I, I know you've said that advice sometimes in situations mm -hmm. where maybe people should leave a company before they're pushed out. But I think that's so important of we all hear our intuition. And after we have the guts to make the change or it's made for us, most people that I talk to can say like, yeah, looking back, I knew that this should have happened three months ago and I just chose yeah. to ignore it. And so I would encourage people to like really sit with yourself in a quiet space and listen to those voices and mm -hmm. don't ignore them because you know what's right for you. And I think there's never been a better time to do things that light you up and to surround yourself with examples of people that have done it a little bit differently. And I also think it's important that just because you want to do something different or creative, um, doesn't mean that you need to say, I don't want to make money that, yeah. um, yeah, maybe you're not driven by that title, but like, you can still go out what you're doing. And I truly believe that that financial freedom will still follow you. And that if you're yeah. doing what you're made to do, that 
um, that it is valuable. And I think we do have this fear that what we're offering just may not be valuable or we can't charge Mm -hmm. for it. And I think we need to get over that. And I think we have a long way to do to truly get over that. But like what we're doing is valuable. Yeah. I just being willing to have the conversation, right? And I, we are, we're close. We only have a couple minutes left and I want to make sure that, um, that people know how to get in touch with you. But I would just say, as we end this very important conversation that I don't want to end, I feel like we could talk for hours about so many of these things, but the truth is, I think for you and I both, um, obviously from this conversation, we're in the messy middle. Like we don't have the answers, but I love that we're actually having the conversation and hopefully it will encourage other people, like you said, to, um, to think about it and be willing to have the conversations around like why this can be so confusing and why, especially women have such a hard time finding that sweet spot between work and life. Um, And so there's so many more conversations to come. I hope you'll come back. But in our last two minutes, will you tell everyone first, are you going to do a third season? And secondly, how they can get in touch with you and, um, and follow along. Yeah. So if you want to listen to season one or season two, Sam is episode one um, of the first season. It's on, um, Apple podcast, Spotify podcast, any platform as the don't tell me what to do podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at don't tell me what to do podcast or don't tell me what to do podcast.com. And if I can be an expander for you, hit me up on LinkedIn at Jory Sager. I, um, I want to do a third season, but I'm not sure what that looks like. I, Mm -hmm. I struggle a lot with my day to day being marketing and then knowing that if I want to grow the podcast, the one thing I need to devote more time to is marketing. And I just, Mm. yeah, my brain space is really limited at the end of the day. So while I get so much out of having these conversations, I'm just feeling this rub with the marketing Mm. side of it, ironically. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how to continue this and in maybe a little bit of a different way, but if you think I should do a third season, tell me and give me that motivation to do it. Um, I will. We will, we will keep the conversation going. And for today, that is a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed it, everyone. If you're interested in getting more familiar with me, my mission and my content, go to samwilling.com. Join me next week for another amazing conversation. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace. Have a great Monday, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.